Welcome to the Wesley Word. I want you to stop for a minute and think about how you got here in this place. Now you're like, oh, I drove, Steve, right? But in order for you to get to college, high school had to end. In order for you to get to today, yesterday had to be over. Endings are necessary for new beginnings. Without them, without the end, nothing new can ever happen. And so we're going there tonight. This is a talk I've never really done before, but one I've felt for a while is, is, is needed. And so we're going to be looking at this idea of necessary endings and finding the truth in that that is a part of life, that things must come to an end. And in fact, in order for us to, to thrive personally, there are things that have to come to end, seasons in our life that must, um, must end. A couple of years ago, I did a series on Sunday morning uh, about the vineyard, and I, did, I studied, uh, I'm not much of a wine drinker, but I studied how they produce wine, all this sort of stuff, and I was reading some articles on it, and I, th- and I found that um, this one article said that what separates the amateur winemakers from the top professionals is their ability to prune. You see, there's a such thing as if you don't prune, you end up with too many grapes on the vine. And what happens is all these grapes are all fighting for the same nutrients and for the same sunlight. And before long, these grapes aren't able to grow as big as they should be. And so you end up with a lot of sour grapes and the the wine that you try to produce from that ends up becoming bitter. And so the top winemakers know how to go in and prune the vine and not take away too many because you still need some grapes around. Otherwise, they end up too sweet and they're not too good for the wine but they know how to go in and prune the branches and prune the grapes off so that you end up with the perfect amount of grapes on the vine so that they get the nutrients that they need to grow and to be healthy and to produce the fruit and to be what they're called to be, which is an awesome wine towards the end. Um, Dr. Henry Cloud, who uh, uh, two books I recommend that sort of base this off of as well as different scriptures, um, one called Necessary Endings and another Boundaries. But in it, he talks about three types of pruning that everyone should look at doing in their lives, right? One type of pruning is to um, prune away some healthy buds, right? They're, they're healthy buds, but are branches that need to be pruned back so that the best ones can grow. We're going to talk a little bit about this, right? The other type of pruning that happens sometimes is we need to take off the sick branches or the dead branches um, or, the, or the sick ones that aren't going so well, that we know are not going to get well, and we need to prune those away from our life, right? We're in this pruning metaphor tonight. Um, and the other thing we do is we take away the dead branches, We cut them out of our lives that are taking up space that healthy ones need to grow and to to thrive, right? And so we're looking at pruning tonight. The the goal for tonight is to learn and to think about ways, how can we end well, right? There's not a doomsday thing, but pretty much every relationship that you're ever going to have is going to end in some way at some point in time, Right? Um, that's just going to happen. Or it's going to evolve, hopefully, right? The way in the friendships that you have freshman year, even if you're with the same group of people, I hope that it has evolved and looks different by the time that you're a senior as you kind of grow together. And as you go, I'm 20 years out of college now, my friendships with the people that I still talk to, not many, look different than they did when we were hanging out um, at Waffle House because there was no cookout back then, right? Um, But they're going to evolve. They're going to change. But in order to prune, in order to end we have to begin with sort of this reality check of, well, what, how do I know if it needs to end, right? That's a big question. How do I know if it needs to end, right? And in doing that, right, I want to talk about two things, um, sort of the difference between wishing and hoping, right? Two things between wishing and hoping. Now, when I talk about hope in the case of, of God and of Jesus, I talk about hope as this, this 
undeniable belief that the future will be different than the current, right? And we believe that because God is at work, right? That's what we talk about in the church. When we talk about relationships, right, um, being uh, hopeful, there are two parts to this hope-filled definition. One is we have this desire or expectation that things will change, right? Or we're talking about people, that the person will change. We have a desire that it'll change, that the future will be better. But the second part of hope, the second definition of that, is having grounds for believing that it will be different, that he will be different, she will be different, they will be different, right? And if we have both of those components, right, there's a desire, so a desire expectation, like, I, I, just, I really want this to change. I want them to get better. I want them to change, right? Grounds for believing would be like, man, I am barely holding my head above water this semester, but next semester is going to be better because I'm only taking 12 hours and I'm quitting my three part-time jobs and I'm dumping this other stuff and I'm just going to focus on what I need to focus on, right? There are grounds for believing it's going to change because there's actually things that are happening in the future, right? That's hope. When you have a desire and you have a grounds for believing that something will change or someone will change, right? If one of those two things are missing, then you don't, you're not hope-filled. You're simply wishing, right? Simply wishing something to change without grounds for believing that it will change is you just sitting there wishing, right? And your desire cannot define your hope. As much as you want that person to change, as much as you want that situation to change, unless you can see real grounds for believing that it will change, you're simply wishing, and it may never come true, right? And so I want to look at, uh, I'll put a quote up on the, on the screen, Christopher, I got that one. This comes from uh, Dr. Cloud. He says, in the, in the absence of real objective reasons to think that more time is going to help, it is probably time for some type of necessary ending, right? Now, again, let me say this. Tonight's goal is not for you to, like, get on the phone with your parents right after this and be like, yo, we got, like, I'm done with y'all, I'm divorcing you, right? Um, you know, I don't, you don't like this, like, this is not like, this is not going to be like Red Sunday, right? Like, remember the time Steve talked and, like, everybody lost their relationships and their friendships, right? That's not the goal, Right? But there may be a situation, a friendship, a family member, a, a romantic relationship that you've been like, I don't know for a while, right? And I'm hoping that maybe tonight will give you some discernment tools and maybe some ways to think about how you may go about this, right? And as always, always open for more conversation later and throughout the week, right? But if you've been with someone, a friendship, a relationship for time after time, and there's like no real objective reason to think it's going to change, right? it may be time to think about making a change, right? Now, don't go back and say, Steve said, I got to break up with you, but you can think about, is there a necessary change that needs to happen, right? Um, again, in order for hopelessness to change, or you have to get necessary hopelessness for change. You have to get to this point where you realize that nothing is going to happen unless I change it, right? Um, one more, one more uh, quote next up there, Christopher, right? You don't want to give up too early on someone, right, or something. But what reason, other than the fact that you want this to work, do you have for believing that tomorrow is going to be different from today? It's a question to think about in these relationships that maybe you're struggling with, right, or will struggle with at some point in time, right? Maybe everything's great, but maybe a year from now, you're going to be in something you're questioning, right? What reason, other than the fact that you just want this to work, oh, I just want it to work out between us, right, do you have to think that it's going to work? And if you can't find one, and there's no hope for that, and maybe we begin looking at how we can go about changing, right? Um, again, this series is, you can clear that, Christopher, is about risky investments, right? We use that term, right? Um, and you know, they often say, right, past performance is not indicative of future gains and stuff, right? But usually, looking at past performance helps you know what's going to happen, 
right? And so you can look, as you look in this relationship, you can think about what has happened in the past. There's a good chance that that's going to talk about what will happen in the future. I was reading another um, blog, and they were talking about dads getting together, and someone was going to ask someone for their, for their hand in marriage, and what were they going to do and have this conversation. I'm like, can't wait for that day. I'm going to be really mean to whoever that is. Um, but no, I'm hoping they're awesome. And I'm just like, yes, please, right? But they said, ask for these two things. And I was like, this is really weird. I don't think I would ask for this, right? But they said, ask for their credit report and ask for their tax returns. I was like, that's a very strange thing to ask for, right? But they said, no, 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 it's not about the money, right? We don't care about how much they make. I'm like, well, you got to actually have a job if you're going to marry my kids, right? But, um, but thinking about this idea of, of your credit report, right? And they said, we don't even know, like, how much you owe, but you can look on that and say, are they fulfilling their obligations for promises they made in the past, right? Are they paying for the debts that they did in the past, right? Are they making progress on that? Or are they just letting things delinquent, right? They charge 100 bucks and they forgot about it, didn't even worry about it, just going to let it grow. Are they fulfilling the promises that they made in the past? You can see it from there, right? Um, the tax returns is not about doing um, how much money you make and that sort of stuff, but are they actually doing it? Are they actually filing their taxes? Are they showing responsibility for doing the things that adults need to do, right, before you give your blessing on the person who's like, I never filed a tax return. It's okay, right? You don't have to do it right now. But are you doing those things? Can you see the progress of what's happening? Are they fulfilling their prior obligations, right? And there comes a time as you think through that, right, are there things, is there a time that comes where ending may indeed happen, right? And I've got some more because I asked for some questions throughout the week, and so I don't want to share too much here. I want to be able to give you some answers to the questions that you asked. Um, but I'm going to jump to, to, to four things that I think are things to think about once you get to the place where you think you need to end well, right? You have thought about it, and you've said, you know what? I don't see any change happening, right? I've, got, I've reached my point of hopelessness, right? Not like laying on the ground crying, but you're like, I'm just wishing for things to happen, right? It is clear that this person is not going to change. They are toxic in my life. They are dragging me down. They are not life-giving. If anything, they are soul-sucking. Please, Lord, help me out of this, right? All right, don't be looking at your neighbor. It's okay. That's the person, right? Um, But maybe you've gotten to that point, right? And so here's four thoughts. Maybe stuff. It may seem simple, but it's four things I think are important as you think about. And I was going to do separate stuff for friendships and for family and for romantic relationships, but actually I think these four principles sort of go across the board, okay? And so when it's time to end things, here are four thoughts to think about. The first thing is to be clear in your communication, right? Clear in your communication. What that means is know what you want to say going in, right? Don't be that person that goes to break up with someone, you come back and tell your friend about it, you're like, oh, look, I got engaged, right? (laughs) No. Know what you want to say. If you're planning on, you laugh, somebody's going to do that in here, right? Um, I think I really got engaged. No, I'm kidding, right? Um, <clears throat> that'd be awesome. Know what you want to say, right? It may even mean, and we were talking about this in the Wesley building today, it may even mean that you need to write it out, right? That you write down so you get your thoughts together and you know what you want to say, that so you can be clear in the person that you are talking to, right? Because oftentimes if you're breaking up, it's usually because there's something going on there. And so the clearer you can be in your communication, the better it will be. You don't want to have to break up with someone twice because you weren't clear in the first place. I kind of like you. Maybe we can do it. Wish you watch it. Be clear, right? Just as you want a sharp scalpel when you, someone's going to perform surgery on you, right? You want it to be sharp. You want it to be precise so that you can get in there and actually do the work that you need to do. Clearly communicate. Know that the tone matters, right? Which means you should probably speak to them in person, right? The tone matters, 
validate their, the relationship you know, that you've had and what's going on, but be clear in your communication. Know what you want to say. Know your intention. Don't be wishy-washy, right? Go in there and speak clearly. They may not listen, but at least you know that you've done the best that you can do, right? So clearly communicate is an important thing. Now, this is a very practical list, but I think practical is good in these situations, right? I don't want to be high in the, high in the sky. The second thing, we want closure. You're probably not going to get it, right? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, right? But sometimes we hold on to that. We want closure. I need closure. I need closure. Sometimes you are lucky to get closure. Most of the times, it's probably not going to happen, right? And we're going to talk about that in some of the questions that you have, but a little sneak peek, right? You want closure typically because you think that you are talking to someone who is like, reasonable and responsible in the same place where you are at. But if you're breaking up, especially a friendship, usually it's because there's some bad behavior that's going there. And so they might not be in a reasonable, responsible place to speak back and to give you what you are looking for, right? And so if you're wanting closure, right, I would say one question to ask yourself, and this goes back to romantic relationships, are you seeking closure because you want closure or are you just continuing to talk because you're wanting to get back together, right? That's one thing to think through on that, right? Are you want closure or you just want the outcome to change that has happened, right? Um, whether that be friendship or, or relationship, right? And, you know, you want closure, but don't spend so much time just banging your head against the wall, right? Recognize that sometimes, no matter how much you ask, no matter how much you repeat yourself, no matter how many times you got the coffee, no matter how many times you go back over to their apartment looking for closure, it might not ever happen, You've got to focus on you and do what you need to do to give yourself life, to give yourself closure, and know that the other person may never give it to you. Don't allow that person to hold that power over you as they sort of dangle and you wait for them to give you closure. Be willing to move on yourself, right? And again, move forward and sort of invest in yourself, okay? So clear communication, we want closure. And here are two big things um, that are friendships and or romantic relationship breakups, right? And I'm going to call us a little bit of Wesley here, right? Keep your circle small, please, for love of God. Keep your circle small, right? Keep your circle small, okay? Now, if you think I'm calling you out, I'm not calling you out, but you made this happen, right? Um, this, this, this list was planned like two years ago, right? What do I mean by that, right? Let's say you're breaking up with someone, Right? Um, and you go, and I know we got some parents in the room, but, you know, I think about, so Julie and I were dating, right, and we were married, right? There are some times where we had fights in our marriage, right? If Julie were to go to her mom every time that I did something stupid, like once in our life, right, um, her mom isn't going to be like, well, that's the son-in-law that was stupid to my wife, right? Or if I went to my mom, right? Or if you think about it, like if you break up with someone and you trash that person to all your best friends, all your kind of friends, all to everybody you talk to, right? You're not showing that person grace. And then what happens if that relationship comes back together? Then your best friend is supposed to be like, oh, it's all good, right? No, they know all the trash. They hate the person, right? Right? Or the friendships, right? They know what's going there. So keep your circle small. You need to have people that you can trust, that you can share. I'm not saying keep it all in, but who was that one person, those two people, maybe three that you can trust, that you can share your stuff with, but you don't need to share it around, right? And in Wesley in particular, we talk about friendships and relationships. I know you're going to date and they're going to break it up. I mean, we're not going to have 100% success rate here, folks. That's just life, right? But no matter how that happens, I mean, you laugh and giggle, but 
who we are remains no matter who you break up with or what friendships diminish. We are still going to be a place where all are welcomed. And that means if there's this like great couple in us and you both break up, we're going to welcome each of you. If there's this power friendship of five people and it's awesome, they're like the life of the party and they all have this big blow up and they're, all five of them are still welcome here and are wanted here. And so the circle that you keep tight and small allows other people also to not have to pick sides and choose sides. It allows them to love them as who they are and not the interaction they may have had with a friendship. Keeping that circle small and tight is a way to show grace to the person that, the friendship that might be breaking up, the relationship that might be breaking up, but also to the other people in the room that they're not forced to sort of pick sides and know these other things. Does that make sense? That's a huge deal in keeping, uh, as you think about ending well and showing grace, which is what we're called to do as a people of faith. All right? And Jesus did this too, right? There's some Jesus in here, right? He hung out with crowds all the time. But then he had his 12 disciples. And even those 12 disciples, he had his closer two or three that he would hang out with in, in Peter and James and John, right? And so even we see Jesus sharing in a smaller um, way as well. So keep that circle small. And fourth thing, so those four thoughts, right? Boundaries are important, right? Even boundaries are really important as you're in a relationship. They're also important as you exit a relationship, whether friendship or not. And so if you're clear with someone and you say, listen, your behavior is toxic, it's, it's hurting me, it's wearing me down, I can't be in this. When you set that and you set that boundary, you need to respect that boundary for yourself and for them and setting them clear. And here's a piece of advice that I came up with uh, <laughs> that I've always thought, I've been telling this for years, and I really think it, it works out. I should be published one day. Um, <laughs> not kidding. Dating relationships, right? Um, if you date a month, it's a little bit easier than if you date for two years. But I've always recommended that if you're breaking up with someone, you want to set a clear boundaries, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go cold turkey from that person for at least one week for every month that you were together. If you dated for two years, spend half a year away from them, Right? Because if you ever want to be friends with them or you ever want to have a clean break, you need to get the weird feelings out of the way, right? A lot of times relationships become physical and you think you're just hanging out, but you really just, you know, just want to have a nice little hook up there. You got to spend time away to get your feelings straight before you can go back in and prepare to be friends. And that may seem like a long time, but that's kind of the point, right? If you're breaking up and you want a clean break and you want a healthy break, Spending time apart so that you can get those weird, those physical feelings, emotions straight, and also work on getting what you need together is important there, right? I'm a firm believer in that, right? Um, and it's, that's just part of breakups. They stink. It sucks, right? But spending that time away allows you to work in and to get yourself straight, right? Now, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard in the moment. Uh, again, I'm not saying go home and break up with everybody that you've ever talked to, friendships, relationships, whatever, but I do want you to know that it is okay for relationships to end. There's a season of those, right? Even friendships, the people that you are friends with freshman year often looks different by the time you're a sophomore and by the time you're a junior and the time you're a senior. And when you get out and you spend time, you go in the work world. Relationships, there are these cycles for them. And so what it takes is a mature individual, right, to go through and to critically look at and say, I celebrate and I give God thanks for this season in my life in the relationship that we had, but it's not what I need now, right? And not being selfish, but like this is, this is unhealthy now. And so we're thankful for when it was healthy, but I've seen the fact that we are hopeless now, right? That there's no grounds for, anything this, for believing this is going to change. 
And so it's time to end this and end it well, right? With clearly communicating with each other, um, setting good boundaries, um, you know, knowing that you may or may not get closure, and by all means, keeping your circle small as you spend time and talking with such. Again, tomorrow does not come until today is over. And so if you want better in your relationships, right, it's more than just hoping. Before the good can begin, the bad must end, right? And so I hope that you will pray about that. And again, I'm not saying making decisions, but when the time comes and needs to be there, I hope that these are some tools that will indeed help you. Amen? Amen. The Wesley Word is a production of the Clemson Wesley Foundation. For more information about Clemson Wesley, check out our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, get out there and love your neighbor.